Welcome or welcome back to another short but definitely not sweet true crime episode. I am your host Shani and you are listening to Shani Horror and Vibe. This week's episode we're going to be discussing the Father's Day Bank Massacre. Yes, I know I was supposed to release this on Sunday but what happened was was shit my charger stopped working y'all I ain't even gonna lie charger stopped working to the laptop I didn't have access to it so here we are today okay so just roll with me at approximately 4 a.m on Sunday June 16th 1991 the alarm went off at the basement storage of the United Bank Towers which is located in Denver Colorado but they are now called Wells Fargo Bank so if you know where that's at then Wells Fargo Bank is the bank that this crime initially happened at so, records show that the guard that was in control turned off the alarm but didn't take any further action to it. It's unknown why he didn't, but later that day, it did have something to do with the robbery. That's what they're suspecting. First, they didn't, but now they are suspecting that that alarm was just a, you know, tester probably just to see if they was on their toes. So, at 9.14 a.m., a man by the name of Robert Burgo, who that's what he identified himself as, said he was the vice president of the bank and he needed access to the freight elevator that only the guard could give access to, right? So the guard, which is, um, his name is William, he gave him access to it. So once they got to the location where the door security levels was open, that's when Robert shot William and hid his body in a storage area. He also took all of the key cards off of him so he now had access to the entire security levels that this guard particularly had to. By 9.20, the intruder set off an alarm when he entered the stairwell. But once he entered the guard's room, he forced two of the guards that was inside by the name of Philip and Scott to the ground. He shot and killed both men. But the third guard was not inside there, so they believe that Ty actually turned around once he started hearing these shots. And that's when the intruder was shooting from, like, feet away from him, pretty much. In total, it was 18 shots, and he killed all of the four security guards that was there on duty. None of the security guards had guns on them. They were not armed. Um, That was something that the bank had did away with prior to this incident. So that's the reason why they didn't have any type of weapons on them to protect themselves. But before leaving where the guards sit at, the intruder made sure to remove any evidence that he was even there, any trace of his identity, anything. So he took videos, bank keys, two-way radios, pages of the guards' logbook, and this never been seen since. So electronic records do show and indicate that the intruder opened the vault by 948 at which six employees were on duty processing cash delivery. So he forced all of them to lie on the ground and cover their eyes. He made the senior vault manager open the vault for him. He crawled inside of there and he, you know, he took what he took. He made all of them hide in which is like a smaller room. It's called a man trap. Um, He left by 956, so he was in and out. He took what he took and left. And 20 minutes later, that's when the bank tellers freed themselves um, from this room that they was locked. He also took time to to pick up any gun shells that was left on the floor. So the only physical evidence that this man left behind was 18 bullets that he fired. The surviving employees that did get a glimpse of him that indicated he was in his late 50s or 60. He wore a gray sports coat, white shirt, multicolored tie, you know, fedora hat, 
mirror sunglasses like he literally made himself look apart like he was a part of this bank so the fbi was doing their little investigation they were really baffled as to why the intruder only took two hundred thousand dollars versus the two million that was available in the vault they also couldn't really understand why he left the six employees alive and unharmed but killed the four guards but i would see it as like he probably thought that they was armed and he saw them more as a threat than he did the employees. I mean, that's the only logical reason I can think of him not touching the employees as much as him harming the guards, which was totally unnecessary. Um, they also knew that the bank vice president was on vacation with his family. And that's the name that he used to gain access to this bank. So from the very beginning, they automatically assumed that the killer was associated with this bank in some kind of way. And there was a worker named James King. He's a retired Denver police officer, which was a former guard at the bank. And he had stopped working there 10 months prior to the bank robbery. So when they went and searched his home, they found out that King and his wife had declared bankruptcy. They had been in debt. Um, they found no physical evidence. However, they did find a detailed map building of the interior marked four plants. Hmm. And five phony IDs and King's picture on all of them with different aliases. The judge was like, well, we're not going to accept that because he didn't use them. So he didn't make any illegal moves with them key cards. So they threw the key cards out of questioning pretty much. So the prosecution was really trying to push that King was involved into this bank robbery and five out of the six employees identified King as a robber. However, only one of them could pick them out of a photo lineup, pretty much. So King just looks suspicious all the way around to police. And it's quite obvious because he bought a larger safety deposit box the day after. He shaved his mustache the day after the crime. King's former employees stated that he did know the ins and outs of that security system. Um, his police department issued gun belt was never found and they asked him why he got rid of it and he said well I no longer need it because he's not the bank guard anymore which I can understand that he had a map of the bank's interior with laid out folders and stuff all around it so yeah it wasn't looking too good for buddy he was just looking like he he did it it's him it's you However, King's defense attorney stated there was no physical evidence tying him to the crime. Neither murder weapon or money has ever been found. No witness to the crime reported a robber wearing gloves, yet King's fingerprints was not found at the scene. The large safety deposit box purchased after the crime was not found to contain anything incriminating. And eyewitness identification was unreliable because, again, so many of them only could pick him out in a photo lineup. Um, they said upon cross-examination, Robert Burrell said he had never seen King before. He had not worked weekends at the bank since 1989. At one point, there was a known bank robber by the name of Dewey Calvin Baker who had stated that he actually did the crime, but then later recanted that statement. So it's like all type of, they don't know who did this but it's not looking too good for King, like I said, because the prosecution team has some pretty good examples of why they suspected it to be him but also too his defense attorney came back a little strong so it's after 53 hours of jury's deliberation king was acquitted of all charges you guys all of them he was found not guilty child 
And even after being found not guilty, the FBI kept him underneath strict observation. They was just looking for something to charge his ass with. Pretty much double jeopardy, but they didn't find anything. King died of dementia in May of 2013 at the age of 77. And that is my short but definitely not sweet true crime story of the Father's Day Bank Massacre. If you like this story and you want to hear more stories or more reviews, please make sure you guys are like, following, and sharing, subscribing. I appreciate all you guys who have been listening and sharing and subscribing. Thank you guys so much. And until next week, guys, I will talk to you later.